time, way back when there were only 9,000 Arsenal podcasts, six young men from various backgrounds, a young basketball prodigy with more trophies in the last 20 years than Totten and Hotspur, an Irish kid with a horrible haircut, a young Jewish nerd who hadn't discovered food yet, a child from Hemel Hempstead who didn't want to be English no more. A handsome young man who learned to play football on the hard streets of Disney World. And a young Mexican AC Milan fan. Hatched a plan to take over the world of Arsenal podcasts. But then these boys became men. Jared. Ewan. Magic. Aston. Andy, and Miguel, and the rest, my friends, is history. And now, all these years later, you tune in every so often to hear their incredible takes, their football knowledge, and their sensual advice. But now, it's gone too far. You, our fans, are at long last witness to season seven 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 welcome to the gooners pod hello and welcome i'm aston here the gooners pod today we will see if everton's new manager bounce will bounce arsenal's title hopes or will arsenal's bounce back ability bounce everton out of the league I don't know, but Bully's checks seem to be bouncing over at Fulham right now. Bounce. <laughs> With me as ever always is Jared. How you doing, man? Hey, great to see you again. A quick 23-hour break from me and you, and we're right back at it. Took a little time to enjoy some uh, Premier League football, as it looks like a number of people in the chat did as well. I already see Daniel, Joshua. Matt in there, and it looks like a number of them were watching Chelsea, so that's good to see because it was a an enjoyable game for a lot of us. Yeah, I I don't think so. This is the stuff. These are the intangibles that we talk about that are that are contextualized in transfers, right? I you remember I was talking a bit about this with the Jorginho, and sometimes players have upside. By spending all of that money, all you've done is put a giant target on your back, bully, and every single game. It will be held against you. And I think this game is a a start of what will be a long and banter-filled future. It sure looks that way. I mean, we talked about this yesterday when you put together sort of a hodgepodge of just, you know, star players and just throw them all out there at once together. It's not a instant hit the ground running. They're playing at their peak. There's a lot of betting in time and learning how to play with one another. And a couple of them looked good. I thought Enzo had a good game. Uh, Fafana towards the end looked pretty lively, but it just shows that regardless of how much money you have, you've got to build a team that works together and give them a chance to get some time to get used to each other to uh, hopefully have some results. But right now, I think that draw moved them up to ninth in the table, but Liverpool with the win obviously overtakes them and pushes them back down to 10th. So if they've got eyes on the top four, like they their fans seem to think that they do, they've got a pretty tough climb ahead of them in the next couple of months. I was about I was about to say Liverpool with the win is a is a tall order right now. Um, mm-hmm. They they seem to be in a 
Liverpool have to be the most uh, Dr. Uh, Jekyll and Mr. Hyde I've, team I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. They're one thing one moment, another thing another moment in the same game. And it's it's kind of ridiculous to watch, shambolic. But back on, back on that bully thing, I, you know what's crazy to me? I know we're all talking about, okay, listen, Enzo Fernandez plays. They, they literally bought him this week, but he played. But you know what was even more ridiculous than that to me? Ziyech started. Wasn't Ziyech supposed to go to PSG, but they messed up the paperwork, and now he's starting against Fulham? I mean, you have 34 players. You've already talked about how you're going to have to have awkward conversations because when it comes down to it, every player – like, there's going to be whole 11s of players that aren't going to play a single game for the rest of the season. Like, their season is done. So to pick Ziyech, wow. Wow. It was really surprising. That was the one thing that kind of jumped out when I first took a look at the team sheet was to see his name on there because, like you said, if if Chelsea was just organized and had their paperwork together like every other team in the world does on transfer day, he wouldn't even be there. to see. So to see him put right back in was definitely a surprise. And it, it's hard to say it's because they didn't want to put too many new players in the lineup because we saw a number of them. So it, it was definitely puzzling from Graham Potter, but I think we're going to see a lot of moving parts as far as their lineups over the next couple of months because like you said they've got about 35 guys on the first team squad so they've got plenty to choose from that's for sure yeah yeah it it almost makes you and I mean obviously this is an Arsenal show where we'll have our Arsenal biases but it makes you a, a little more appreciative about what happened on our end because I think that it's very obvious when you have so many players that you're bringing in high talent, high value players, if you bring them in into an environment like this, you have you really run the risk of spoiling them before they can come good. Arsenal made sure to clear out all of the bad eggs before we started putting new ones in because we didn't want them to adopt those environments. I mean, look at what happened with Guendouzi. I think Guendouzi is a great example mm-hmm. of a player that if we bought Guendouzi today, like if Guendouzi had not had our experience, but we bought him today, probably would be coming and be a winner. But because he was in that bad environment, because he had the uh, Mustafis, the Socrates, the Kalashnaks, the Ozils around him, it, it, it changed how he was going to behave. And I think that's what you're going to get. If you start, if you get in this situation where players are coming in for hundreds of millions, certain players aren't even playing, it's going to breed a toxic atmosphere real quick, you know? But hey, you know, my point is I'm not a, I'm not a Chelsea fan. I, I long may it continue. If they want to burn the whole system to the ground, you know, feel free. You're not going to be relevant next year anyway. If Chelsea do not finish in the top, like, two next year, their fans will no longer exist because they're a plastic club. So it's like they'll never fill a stadium again. Well, not only are they going to feel it from the fan base, but also financially, if they're missing out on Champions League this year and uh, especially if they miss two years in a row – they could be moving into Barcelona territory of financial issues. Um, a quick, quick plug here. You'll see it rolling across the bottom of the screen there. Uh, Mike is going to do a, another Magic Mike Shows You the Money show specifically about Chelsea and their transfer business. Uh, so that'll be coming up in the next week or two. I know it's in progress, but he's down at Gunnar Graw right now. So that'll put a little bit of a delay on anything productive being done. But <laughs> keep an eye out for that because he's already started to put it together and it's pretty interesting look at, at finance if, if that's something you're into and what Chelsea's doing. It's There's a lot to look at, and it could get real dicey for them if they don't see some fairly immediate success. 
Yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting one indeed. And if you like this content, you like what we do, make sure to go ahead and give us a like if you like us. Um, you know, it, it helps the algorithm out for us so that we can get our content out there. It also means that we can get more cool guests on for you. A lot of them like when we have a lot of likes on their shows. So please, you know, just give us a like, support us. It'd be nice. Um, that brings us like, you know, that's the out there news. I wanted to start before we get into the news on the weekend, just kind of some wrap up about stuff going on around the club real quick. Um, first of all, uh, congratulations to Mikel Arteta and his manager of the month award. I think this Again. is his, yeah, I think this is what his third or fourth one this year. I believe third with the world cup. I think we're November, December kind of lumped into one. I believe he took that one down. So if you're calling that one month, I think that's still his third this season. Okay. Okay. So I think he's got three. He's got more than Mourinho ever had, by the way, Um, which Mourinho also has more titles, but I mean, yeah, but still a guy who's won the league. It's pretty crazy that he didn't have more of them in his time there. I have a question for you. Mikel Arteta is collecting a lot of these uh, uh, man of the match trophy. I mean, manager of the month trophies. If Mikel Arteta doesn't win the Premier League, say he doesn't win a single trophy this year, and we come second with ninety-two points, right? Is he manager of the year still for you? I mean, I guess it would depend on how the end of the season goes and who and who beats us out for the championship, um, but. It's hard to argue against it when he's going to have at least three, maybe four, you know, between now and then he may pick up another one. Mm. It's hard to argue against him, especially when I think the obvious team that would potentially take us down to to win would be Manchester City. And mm. if it was City, I still think Arteta takes it over Pep solely because you look at City, a defending champion who adds Erling Holland, one of the best goal scorers in the world versus an Arsenal team that prior to the season starting, I think the expectation that a lot of people had was we'd be where we were last year, a team fourth, fifth, fighting for a Champions League spot. So to kind of outperform your XG, if you want to put it that way, as far as wins and points for the year, I think Arsenal would be so far ahead, it would be hard to to not give him that trophy. Yeah, but, you know, what about um, Eddie Howe at Newcastle? If Newcastle come fourth, um, do you think that that's worth a shout of manager of the, manager of the year if Arteta fails to win the Premier League? I think he'll definitely get some some shouts for it, but I still think if we finish second, 90-plus points, just based on the expectation, I think Arteta yeah. would still get it. Possible Brighton manager, that would be... If they finish top four, I think they deserve to have a shout uh, yeah. for it, but I think that's less likely than us finishing first or second. It, it, it's a turbulent year. I think that, like, whereas I do think both of those things would be achievement, I actually think that I agree that Arteta should still get it because if we scored 92 points, I think the improvement from one year to the next, didn't we, what were we at, like 50, 60 last year? Uh, we just missed Champions League, so probably 69, maybe. Usually right. if you hit 70 is kind of the line you're looking at for fourth, and we were almost there. So I'd guess probably 69, but I don't remember right off the top of my head. It'd right. still so be we, a, you know, a 23-point difference, potentially. Yeah, yeah, like 20 or 30-point difference, which is, I think, an insane improvement. I don't know if Newcastle getting fourth has improved a 20-point difference. Maybe they have. Maybe they have. That's why I think they're definitely with a shout. And obviously, Brighton being able to cope with the turbulence in their dressing room, I mean, they they make it look easy. I, obviously, there's no turbulence. They just keep on moving. But being able to sell your best players 
over and over and over again and still come in uh, a European spot for them even would be crazy. That That's an incredible achievement. So I, I agree. Arteta definitely deserves it. It, it kind of tells you the inconsistency of the league right now that we're the nobody managed to string three wins together this month. But it also, mm-hmm. I think that uh, I think Arteta definitely with the win over Manchester United, a draw to um, Newcastle, uh, North London Derby win away. Those are all massive games. And I think the value of those games is definitely why he deserves it this month. Yeah, I, w- I would tend to agree. I think it's hard to say that someone for the last month has a better resume, especially considering the, the win over United was such a big one in terms of not just their place in the table and sort of pushing them out of the title contention a little bit, but just maintaining our lead over city with a win like that is, is pretty important. And and I think it's deserved. He's, he's deserved all of them he's gotten and long may it continue. So we're going to play good news, bad news, right? Um, and I'm going to start with the bad news. We're going to start with the bad news and we're going to go into good news because we like to do the little bit of a, the goodness sandwich here. We'll start good, <laughs> bad, good, right? So bad news. It looks like Chelsea and City are in for Inwari, uh, Inwineri. Am I, I'm messing his name up right now. I say Wanyeri. One year, but I'm not, I'm not sure either. It's not my area of expertise for sure, the uh, pronunciations. Yeah, but it's just it's come out that they're actually looking to line up a bid for the summer and a serious bid at that um, for the 15 year old. Obviously, you know, the youngest player to ever start a game in the Premier League uh, started by Arsenal this year by Mikel Arteta. I, I mean, a lot of, there is a lot of hype for him at the academy right now. It was said that the reason why he played that game was so that we were showing him that we were serious. And so um, it, I, I definitely understand, especially with the bangers Halen has been producing. I mean, we talked about it yesterday. ESR, Saka, uh, Balogun, Inketia, even to even to a lesser extent, Willick and uh, Reese Nielsen, and even mm-hmm. Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Like we've been doing real, we've been doing like Lamazia level work here. You know, that's a golden generation that I just named. So I definitely understand other teams being in for our talent. But do you let him go if the price is right? I mean, there's very few players I wouldn't let go quote, if the price is right. I mean, outside of Saka, yeah. Saliba, basically for a price, everybody's for sale, certainly for a 15-year-old. But uh, <laughs> it's an interesting one that a player of his age that's looking to advance and get into first-team football would want to move away from Arsenal. Because if you're looking at any team in the big six, if you want to call them that, there's nobody that's brought through youth players the way we have and integrated them into the first team if they were good enough for a number of the players you just named when you look up front at Smith Rowe and Saka. I know not one from Halen, but when Martinelli came in, he started at a young age. So I think if any team's shown that there's a path into the first team for playing well, it is Arsenal. And along with that, if you're Wanieri, the fact that Chelsea's on that list blows my mind a little bit. You'd think you'd get he'd get a text message from Amari Hutchinson saying, <laughs> you know what, maybe, just maybe, it's not the move you want to make at this time in your career. Bam, it just seems like a place it. he's going to... It's gonna, not worth it, yeah. Bam. I mean, Hutchinson, what's he started? Maybe one game or played one game for them, and now they've added a handful of wingers. I mean, there's virtually no path for him into that first team, and I think he'll be on loan or one of the guys they move out this summer. So it's been a fail from beginning to end, and if you're Wanieri seeing that, I don't know how you would think the best move for your career is to follow his path and, and go to Chelsea from Arsenal right now. Would you take Hutchinson back? If the price, if he leaves on a free, say, like, you know, we could just snatch him without a transfer fee, would you take him? 
Yeah, I would take him back if he wanted to come back and it was free. Now, if there was at any point we were giving Chelsea money for him, no, I haven't seen enough to think that we need him. So if it was free, I'm not opposed, but he wouldn't be the top of my list and I wouldn't pay anything for him. I think Murder Sacker could use him, you know, like bring him in and say, like, this is what happens. This is what happens when you leave. It is warm and safe in the Arsenal house, house. But if you leave, you see what happened to Hutchinson. How much did you play? How much did you play? And he just uses him to scare off all the little tykes from signing deals with other clubs and puts him next to one area and says, <laughs> you know, he had a career. He was the next star boy. But now mm-hmm. look at him. Now he's going to be loaned to some Bundesliga side and we won't hear of him again in the next few years. Oh, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So let's let's land on the good news, which obviously the big good news around the club today is going to be about Gabriel Martinelli um, signing a a what was it? A four and a half year contract with a two year extension option at one hundred and eighty K a week. That's big boy money, by the way. That is that's not little boy money. That's not young, talented prospect money. That's first team starter money. You feel me? Like you're about to break into the 200s if you go any higher, blood, and you're already what? He's 21. Like he's got years so. and years here. So that's a big contract. I love the four plus one or plus two, whatever it is. He's here through 27, maybe 28. It's great to lock him in because, like you said, he's getting starter wages and deserves it because he's one of the first names on the team sheet every game. It seems like the the 180. I've seen that quoted a lot. I don't know where that comes from or how true it is, but if he's on that, that's a significant outlay for a player, and it kind of shows the commitment the club has to assuming he's going to continue to develop and and hold down that left wing spot for quite some time. I heard it was from actually Ornstein. I actually saw the tweet from Ornstein, 180 confirmed. So that's it. But but again, Ornstein also said that we got Mudrick. So there, you know, (laughs) how much can you lean on these in the nose, you know, until I actually see it with my own eyes or have some way to confirm it? We're all just guessing. But Mm -hmm. either way, that sounds like if Ornstein's willing, confident enough to put that tweet out, that means that if it's not 180, it's damn where well near enough you know mm-hmm. what i mean and either way it's going to be a big contract a couple of interesting things about martinelli did you check did you see this from this year this is in the premier league he leads from most dribbles completed so when we said we were giving him a big boy starting 11 contract well he is putting out big boy starting 11 numbers uh seven goals two assists and 19 appearances this year more take on success than serge Gnabry which we were very interested in bringing him in. So, like, what do you got to say about this guy and everything he's done so far? Yeah, I mean, what what can you say? Statistically, he's put himself in pretty elite company this year. And the the best thing about it for me and, and signing him to a new deal, and I think we talked about this before, is I said this summer coming up, Arsenal's the only team in the top six that by making no moves gets better. Because all of these guys, when you look at the year-over-year progression of Saka and especially Martinelli from two years ago to last year to this year, these guys are on a very steep upward trajectory. So if you kind of extrapolate that out to what they're going to look like two or three years from now, it's going to be pretty scary for everybody in the Premier League to have to deal with both of those two every game running at you. And he, he's he's great, too, because he brings something a little bit different. You know, Saka is unbelievable, but they're a different type of player. And I also like now that we have the addition of Trossard, he's going to benefit a lot from the fact that he's deputizing Martinelli 
and that whoever's playing right back for that other team that's trying to stay with Gabby for 75 minutes of a game as he just runs you to death back and forth to have fresh legs come on after him, it's certainly going to ease Trossard's uh, difficulty in getting results, and he's going to look even better because of it. So I think the combination of those two together is going to be great. And what more can you say? It's a great day for Arsenal to lock down a young, talented player like him for a handful of years. It's a great day. Yeah, you were talking about their trajectory, uh, and you, as many of you guys on this podcast know, I'm such a fucking stats nerd, right? I love, <laughs> I love watching the numbers. And one of the things that you could argue about was about a year or so ago, when I was telling people, "Oh, you don't understand, Gabriel Martinelli and Saka are coming. They are going to be. They are mm-hmm. world beaters. They are world class. They will be elite." And I will be talking about them in the question for Ballon d'Or in some times and other teams were laughing and believe understandably so because when I looked at their numbers they weren't superstar numbers you know but now as I see every year year and year out like Saka and Martinelli like Martinelli is in the 90th percentile for touches in the opponent's penalty area and in the um attacking third 90th percentile you know who's ahead of him Saka like it's insane <laughs> the the, the uh, output that these two still very young boys have. And I mean, it's one of those things like, I, I don't know how you feel about him, but when I look at Martinelli, there's more to come, right? Like you see that, right? Because he's not oh, relying yeah. on like one move or he's just really fast. Like Theo Walcott, like if you pass the ball, like pass the defender, Theo Walcott can run into the space, but he couldn't do much more. Like I, I, I begged for years for Theo Walcott to learn one trick. One trick to beat a defender, and he just refused mm-hmm. to do it. Um, but Martinelli seems to just have this bag of tricks that's just growing every year. I mean, he can he can burst past you. He can stop on a dime, like just stop dribbling at a dime. He can do those tiny little touches on the edge of a box and really square up to a defender. He's explosive. He can deliver across. He can shoot from distance. He can shoot from close. So when you think about all of those skills in tandem, he's got so much more he can rise to. I mean, I think we really are looking at an easily a a top 10 player in the future. Yeah, I think we're pretty fortunate that we have two world-class wingers in the making. Saka, I think, arguably is already there. And Martinelli, if he continues on the trajectory he's on, is going to be there sooner rather than later. And it's a position that's pretty sought after in world football. To have two of them that are playing at that level is pretty remarkable and uh we're lucky to have both of those guys so then let's ask the obvious question then who do you think has the highest ceiling on our team all players are in play that means odegaard that means Saka. that means trussard that means if you think marquinhos is the next you know cristiano ronaldo (laughs) he's in there too let's go you're on the spot so i'm gonna skip on marquinhos for now (laughs) Um, (laughs) you sure for me It's hard to not say Saka just because he's the one that you don't see any real weakness. And and I love Martin Odegaard. I think he's the most valuable player to this team right now and should be our player of the season if the season ended today. But as far as highest ceiling, I think Saka just does more things than anybody. And the other guy who's kind of an outsider that could get mentioned in terms of highest ceiling for their position in terms of where you'd rank them in world football is William Saliba. Because I think he has Mm -hmm. all the tools to be top, top center half which way are you leaning we've got a lot of good choices thankfully that is that is ooh, the saliva shout actually hurts you know 
because that is true. I do think that William Saliba, and I know I'm going to get slagged for this. He hasn't done it yet. He does need to be more consistent. He's mm-hmm. only been in the Premier League for this year. But when I look at that player, when I look at the the power and, and, and strength of that guy and the calmness and collectiveness that he plays with, I just see, like, this guy could be one of the best defenders of all time. Like, Straight up, like he could leave us and go to like Madrid or or Bayern or even staying in at Arsenal and literally just be in a shout. Again, we're talking in four, five years time, not tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But he could real. I really do see that in him because I I've never seen a defender seem so unbothered in my life. And and not unbothered in a lazy like he doesn't get to the ball or you know but but like unbothered like I there's not been a a like name the striker that he's come against where he's looked like okay I'm tired or I'm annoyed or I'm frustrated even when he makes mistakes it's like eh I made a mistake I see that it's not like a I had a whole bad game it's like I made an individual single right. mistake over this ninety and it just doesn't seem like that guy is scary he's scary and he's cold bruh. He is cold, Especially playing in a position where young guys typically aren't the standouts because of all the positions that maturity tends to help guys in, that's it. Being able to handle the pressure of those balls over the top to fast strikers and control your area and read the game, all those things. Everything he has. Now, he's not a perfect player. He's obviously still developing, too. We've seen a few errors this year. But if we're talking strictly about ceiling of a player... Like you said, he's got every tool you could ever think about to potentially be, you know, one of the best in the world. And yeah. it's, it's great because we haven't been able to say that about an Arsenal central defender in a little while now. So it's pretty nice to see. And you know who goes under the radar, who who I also think has a crazy ceiling, but will never get his name brought up in the in this talk? Ben White. Ben White's crazy. Like, like if you so actually look at what Ben White does and the things that we make him do and the way that he just goes, yeah, sure. Like, honestly, and, and I mean this with all due respect to Saliba, I think Ben White's been our best defender this year. And he's been doing it at right back. And I haven't I think seen... he's a fair shout. Yeah, like, I mean, you're you're talking about he's gone up against Sun, Zaha, he, he, and he just takes him. Packs, oh, but Zinchenko, though. God. I mean, and, uh, and honestly... I think because Saliba gets so much attention, Gabrielle doesn't get his his due sometimes. So we're in a good spot that you could arguably, you know, make a a solid case for anybody in that back four right now being the best defender on the team this year, which is why we've got one of the best defenses in the league. Eddie making a shout out. I'm not there yet. His goal scoring numbers are I know you're a numbers guy. I think in terms of per 90, he's the highest in the league right now. I think mm-hmm. even slightly above Holland just because of the minutes he's played. I'm not there yet, but I do love seeing him score a lot of goals. The thing is, Eddie, the thing about Eddie is, Eddie is a swag player, right? It, as soon as, and I and I keep pointing to it, go back, watch the game. You'll You'll see what I'm talking about. It's the Oxford game. In the Oxford game, I saw for the first time, I'm the guy. And I'm interested to see what Eddie can do while he thinks I'm the guy. I've never seen him think I'm the guy before. I've seen him think I need to prove myself on the pitch. I've seen him say I need to score a goal. I've seen him back himself and say I'm good enough. But I've never seen him say I'm the guy. And that's why I'm like, you know, Eddie, 
he might be like, you know, he might have a little Ian Wright in him. You know, that might be a rocket ship that's ready to take off a little later than and ooh. But like you were saying, this is the best problem to have. This is the first time yeah. in a decade that I've been able to go through my entire team and say I love every single player like this. And I envision a, a huge future in them, you know? I wasn't saying that, uh, you know, and I don't mean any disrespect, but I, I wasn't saying that when Kalajanax joined. You know, I, I, I thought he was great. I thought he was a good guy. I remember the spin and everything, but I never said this guy is going to be, has the potential to be a legendary top player. And I'm seeing that all over our, uh, all over the pitch right now. And my God, long may it continue. And, and hats yeah. off to the scouting team. Hats off to Murder Sacker. Hats off to Arteta and Edu. Give them their flowers because they, they've earned it. Well, I think I lost you, Jared. I think Jared was, so, I think Jared right. got so enveloped in the hype that he just blasted <laughs> off. Yeah, we must be having internet issues at my house. I think I've got you again, but it's kind of in and out. So hopefully we can uh, have it last us through the end of the show today. Oh, man. But yeah, that being said, that's that's basically the news around the, the club. I think one of the more um, leading into the Everton game, there are a couple of things that we definitely need to hit on. Uh, and one of those things is a bit bit of news around the club the injury situation we do have uh thomas Partey and emile smith rowe as injury doubts i know emile smith rowe has been completely ruled out thomas Partey is a doubt but i have seen things like this mm-hmm. <laughs> where he, he seems to be in training there uh, if you look at that little red square so i don't know if that's Mikel arteta playing mind games or if he's just got we're taking uh precaution with them either way would you start Thomas Partey if you think that there's a risk of an injury? So I, I would start him if he's good to go. Uh, I'm not a huge proponent, and I don't know if we've talked about this in the past, of you know saving a player for another game. Because even though you know Manchester City, it feels like a bigger game to us, they're both worth three points. And what you don't want to do is rest him in a game, lose the points you should have gotten, and then go into a Man City game you know, three points down from where you could have been. So if he's ready to go, I would put him in the lineup. Um, I know Joshua put in the, the chat here, did party train, uh, like Aston said, he was in the background of some of the photos, but there wasn't, he wasn't featured in any of the photos that the club put out. And I know Mikel Arteta was asked about this in a press conference today and gave sort of a uncommitted answer of, you know, he's, uh, not, he's a doubt, you know, we're, we're not going to give too much away, which that's part of the game is not letting everybody know what's available to you. But I think if he is ready to go, he'll start. And maybe a situation where, you know, if we're tuning up at halftime, maybe we see a pretty early Jorginho uh, debut and, and get him off when the game's sort of already in hand, get Jorginho some minutes and get ready for City with uh, Thomas Party. So that's kind of my expectation. But if he's fit, I'm absolutely playing him. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think he needs to play, especially because I really and I know I know don't come at me, everybody with the hate. But the Jorginho thing, I just really feel like he comes in for Xhaka. You know, I'm really worried about Jorginho playing the the Thomas Partey role, and I don't know if I'm quite ready to see it yet. If I was going to be ready to see it, Everton, I guess, is the team to see it against. Even though uh, Sean Dyche is the the new manager over there, he he's already doing the the bleep test. Did you see that? Like he walked in and started doing the uh, the beep test, where you know you run between two cones and you uh-huh. have to beat the beep or whatever. Like he he just came in hard, so. 
I, I know they'll be G'd up for this match, and I'm not sure if an in-your-face game is where Jorginho is going to shine. But, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I'm ready to be proven wrong. <laughs> yeah, we hope so. It's it's interesting because Dyche isn't a manager that when he comes in, you say, you know, you, you kind of wonder what the team's going to do. Mm-hmm. He's all of his teams. They're they're gritty. They're physical. They kind of take on his persona. So you know what you're getting when they come in. When when people talk about this game, you know, going into the new manager bounce, how's it going to affect us? It is a home game for them. The one thing I would say about that is you're not taking a team that played defensively or didn't really have a style and bringing in a, a free-flowing manager who's going to let them run free and attack. The things that Dice does in, in terms of instilling in a team that toughness and grittiness that makes them effective, I'm not sure you can instill that in a team in a week. So I'm not sure that we're going to see a typical Sean Dice team that you've seen in the past. Um, I, I do expect them to set up defensively and, you know, with where they're at in the table, every point is crucial. So I think he's going to go into the game thinking, you know, for them coming out with one point over Arsenal is, is a win. So I think we're going to see them set up incredibly defensively and he's going to tell those guys, you know, play them physical, play them tough. We're going to be very compact at the back and make them break us down. So I know what we're getting, but I'm not that worried about the new manager bounce just because I don't think all the things he wants his team to do, you can instill that in those guys who don't have it, you know, in in the course of a week or so. That just seems a little quick to me. Yeah, I I agree here where I think that the new manager bounce, when we're talking about that, we're talking about getting a win. Mm -hmm. Them setting up for a draw and getting a draw isn't the new manager bounce. That's actually what he has to do because he doesn't have the bounce yet. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? I don't think that we need to be in fear of having a loss. I, I agree with you where the biggest challenge was just going to be is if we can score or not because i don't imagine them being too adventurous i don't imagine you know it's crazy i don't even know if alex awobi will start with them i think he's been one of their best players this year but in what i imagine sean dyche is going to do uh tomorrow i'm not even sure if he he starts uh before we get on on all that because we kind of mentioned it briefly i do want to wrap back around to emile smith Rowe. um it looks like he's not in this game and we were really hoping that he was going to be back coming after the world cup. Uh, <laughs> Jared's not on a beach. Somewhere. I wish I was. <laughs> Listen, is, isn't Tom at Gunnergraw right now? He doesn't get to talk to you. Yeah. He's probably having more fun than all of us today. So, right. He's probably, he's him and Mike are probably at a, at a pool right now with some jets doing something with drinks. I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, Emil Smith-Rowe ha- has seemed – it doesn't look good, right? And I think that hopefully my spin on it is I hope that this is some post-op growing pains. We knew that we were going to be recovering, so we're just being extra precautious because we don't need to play you. We don't need to push you, so let's let you heal right. But it, it is worrying, isn't it? It's always a worry when you've got somebody who's missed games like he has. What they're saying is this is a thigh injury unrelated to the the groin surgery that he had. So hopefully it's just one of those things. And, you know, if you have a surgery and you're off your feet for a while, especially at the level of a professional athlete, you know, the the muscles in that area around it are probably going to atrophy a little bit. And there's always room, you know, for, for it to take some time to get your body back in shape, which may just be the case here. And we certainly hope so, because we've seen what an impact player he can be, especially coming on as a sub. And it's something that we've needed this season and something that you always need when you've got tough games coming up. So 
hopefully this isn't a, a new major injury as much as a small tweak and it's a more of a precaution that's obviously our hope but you never know and it's it's going to be tough to figure out what his career is going to look like if he can't catch a you know a solid run of games at a time in between these injuries oh, okay i want to address this though we're not in new orleans because mike <laughs> chose to buy a seventh house instead of paying us here at the tgp free uh, free us employees okay out with the billionaires and and the 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 one percenters mike taking all the money from this show and we we don't even get to eat i don't think he's ever even paid for a meal for any of us has he paid for you jared ever the TGP travel budget's been cut into massively mm. every year because Mike's everywhere. Yeah. He, he, any, he, anywhere that people are wearing Arsenal shirts, you're going to see him pop his head up. Did you did you know that 95% of every super chat that you give us goes to Mike's travel budget and not to us? It's it's just, yeah. it's shocking, really. It's sho- He's the Elon Musk of the Arsenal podcast world, okay? There's Ryan said he's buying beers here. Good. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> of course he is. Of course he is. Uh, shout out, by the way, shout out Ryan. Shout out Tom. Uh, shout out everybody out at Gunnar Graf. You guys don't mm-hmm. know if you're fa- if you're fans, you're like, what the heck are these guys talking about? Every year, the Gunners around the United States gather in New Orleans for an event that we call Gunnar Graf. It is a time of fun, joy, and revelry, and and a lot of drinking. Let's just. Uh, uh, a good amount of drinking let's just say that but it's it's a great time and it's a, and it's a time to be out with your gooner family and if you haven't heard of it now you have check it out next year um speaking of events i know tom uh, myself mike and craig are talking about doing a florida meetup uh we'll have some more information that we're going to call it the the four dons meetup it'll be great um and, and and we always encourage this stuff you for you to do this sort of stuff in your groups if you are in a town and you don't really have like a you don't have a bar set up yet go out talk to a bar owner start it up you will be surprised how quickly you will find that you will find other arsenal fans in your area that are willing to set up for you so we're always encouraging this grassroots kind of like movement arsenal america is a, a fantastic organization to get you started with that and yeah, that was a lot of rambling. I, I will I walk it there for a minute. <laughs> no, it's good, but it's a nice segue because I'll go back to this comment from Moss earlier. By the way, shout out to Moss, always on the in the chat. Super nice guy. He said, nice scarf today. Uh, I'm actually wearing this. You mentioned the Arsenal America groups. Uh, the latest official Arsenal America group is actually from my hometown. I've moved away now, but since I've left, uh, a guy down there named James started a group, the Central Illinois Gooners. They've They've got their own merch now. See, they've got the the cannon, the uh, area code, and all the rest of it. Great stuff. And it was just him and one other guy, I believe, started going to one of the local pubs to watch games. And like you said, grassroots style, it's just grown. And now they've got, I think, a couple dozen. They have good groups for the games. So he, he sent me this. So I was like, I have to wear it on one of the pods and shout him out because it's it's great to see more groups popping up and people starting them in, in new areas. So shout out to those guys and everyone else doing it because that's what makes the Arsenal community so great. Hmm. You know what else makes the Arsenal community great? When we win games, like we like we're going to win this weekend. <laughs> That's so, right. Yeah. And and we were, you know, we were talking about ESR, and I and I think that you know we've we've spent enough time on him. The last thing I want to do is put a huge highlight on him and put a lot of pressure on him. We got to remember he's still a young boy, and I think that there's a lot more. He's got a lot more to give the club. I'm I'm not at the mm-hmm. state where I'm worried about him at all yet. 
Um, I think that uh, as long as we keep him out of the uh, out of the limelight, he'll be, he'll come good. I, I really do believe in that. That's why we gave him the number ten. Mm-hmm. But as far as this weekend's concerned, um, if Partey and ESR are out, are you feeling still confident about the game? I am. I, I think we've He's, proven over time this year Everton. that. Yeah, I mean, one, it's Everton. New manager, old manager. They're pretty Everton talent Campbell's deficient. Kill, you, kill us. He's going to murder <laughs> us. The next will be Brooke. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, they're just, they're they're lacking in quality. They lose one of their best players in the transfer window, one of their best attackers. They're just not on a good trajectory. I actually, I like the appointment of Daesh because I think if anybody's got what it takes to crawl them into, you know, 17th and out of the relegation zone, he might be the guy to do it. But as far as down. what's that? You don't want them to go down. I wouldn't mind seeing it, but I think he might be the guy that helps them out. It'd be interesting to see how they perform under him, but I'm not really worried about the game. You know, we don't have a great record at Goodison Park over the last couple of years. They beat us there last season. I think it was actually December of 21 when the game happened, but yeah. Odegaard got a goal for us. We gave up a couple late goals, I believe, to kind of give that game away and didn't play well. But when you look at the team that played that game and the team we're putting out there tomorrow morning or afternoon for those in the UK, I know it's the early game there. I believe it's 1230 UK time. Our team's so improved and not just in terms of talent, but in style of play and the way they work together. I just don't think they've got the talent to challenge us in any real way that's going to result in a win for them. I I think we're actually going to win it fairly comfortably. I know we'll get to our predictions and lineups here in a little bit, but I'm not overly worried about it like I have been some games in the past when you're away from home because I expect a a strong performance like every game we've seen recently. Yeah, and honestly, and I'm going to say this, Everton, I apologize that it had to be you, (laughs) but we just lost to Manchester City in a game that we pretended that we don't care about. But let's be real. We don't like to lose. And what I want to see, the next test, so to speak, is I want us to come back with a spanking, just like we did after the United game. Make that our thing. You know, after we lose after we lose a game or we're disappointed, come back strong and show us that you can do it. And Everton, I'm, I'm sorry, you're just the perfect team to do that against. And, you know, I, I, we're going to come to our predictions in a bit. But I really, really, really expect nothing less than a, a, a thorough beating. And that's what I think our, where Arteta should set his standards. Like, we can't be satisfied with a 1-0 here. Or even even a 2-0 might be just a little – or a 2-1. I don't want them to score. I want a clean sheet as well. Agreed. I, I, that, that, to me, is the most important thing when we're away from home is to keep racking up clean sheets on the road. That's That's huge. Yeah, yeah, and, and and the main thing here is I really want to get a chance to, like you said, we'll have some we'll have some new tools to try out. Let's try this Trossard Martinelli thing out. Let's see how we can get a relationship going there. Um, I, you know, let's see. I, I, even though I I wouldn't mind Jacques and Party starting. Matter of fact, I would prefer it. I still would like to see Jorginho come in and see how he's going to bet. And I mean. He, can we get maybe, you know, a, a 10 minute cameo for Kuar so that we can see, you know, this guy can pick up some minutes from Gabriel, who started now, I think, our last 56 games. I mean, he's the Iron Man of the squad. He's underappreciated to play he's, that many games in a row, avoid injury, the durability. I mean, he's he's the new Granite Xhaka in terms of guys who just have the fitness level that's off the charts and just do not miss games. 
the fuck are we feeding these Brazilians? Because <laughs> like we because you know Martinelli started every single Premier League game, nineteen now in a row. It's it's really insane, and and I think that's why it was so important that we did bring in the um, the backups that we did um, for the winter window because like a lot of these guys are just like you look at how many games they're playing in a row. But on the flip side of that, you know, we always worry about players playing too much. But is it possible that that's the reason why they're successful? That we need players that want play every three or four days because they get into this winning rhythm and that has to do with a lot of the momentum that's been carrying us through the season see i think i think that's exactly correct the the more you can put out the same group together and they continue to build continuity to go along with the talent they have is huge um i always said a couple years back when liverpool was at their peak the nice thing for them and their fans and their setup is every game they weren't making changes to the lineup to adjust for the team they were playing and look for matchup advantages. They were saying, we've got our 11, we've got our style of play, good luck beating us. And they went out there and just put it on every team they played. And I think Arsenal should adopt that strategy now. We've had a good enough record this season that shows we're able to say, we've got our best 11, you know how we're going to try and play. You know, Good luck getting a result against us because not many people have been able to do it yeah, yeah, that's true. We want to we want to extend that list and want to break shatter all of that hoodoo that's been kind of. That's what I've. That's been my favorite narrative of this season: having every pundit bring up every negative stat that Arsenal has and just watch us smash it. it, it you know, we've already seen it obviously with the North London Derby, but there were a couple of others in there where they're like, "Oh, Arsenal live." I think it was again in the Fulham game we had a really bad stat. I think it gets obviously Brentford. Everybody loved to bring that up. So I think that putting things right at Goodison Park, because I, and correct me if I'm wrong. And if you guys uh, find out this, um, that I'm wrong, please, you know, say whatever. But I think we've scored more against Everton than any other team in the history of the Premier League. I think there, and, and that relationship hasn't been quite right for just the last few years. But historically, they're kind of our punching bag. And I and I kind of want to go back to that. Like Sean Dyche kind of reminds me of Moyes, so like we could maybe you know have that relationship. <laughs> you know that was back when. You know what's crazy to me? Do you remember when Everton used to like routinely come in fifth? Yeah, I mean they've been a, a staple of the Premier League. Have they ever been relegated? I'm not sure that they have. They've they may be one of the few that haven't ever gone down. So not, not it, in the it, Premier League era, I don't, I well, don't believe yeah. so. Which is why it'd be crazy to watch them go down. Who do you want to get relegated this season? That's tough. Let me pull up the list. I don't want to omit someone that's really obvious and have people get on me. Let me pull up the table and see what we're looking at and what our possible options are going to be here. Obviously, Everton's down in the bottom. Let's see if I can get it to pull up for me here. I, uh, it, it's tough. There's usually not. <clears throat> excuse me, there's usually not teams that I, I want to see fail and want to get relegated. Um, Burnley, I hated when they were in the Premier League. They were the ones that I said, I'm fine with them going down because I hated the way they played football. Um, but now I think they're on their way back up, especially with Vincent Company leading them. They're actually playing good football, playing a style that's not horrible to watch and and it's being successful for them. So I expect them back up. <clears throat> Yeah, and that's where Burnley is actually where I was thinking Sambi Lakonga should go, but then he went to Crystal Palace, and I think Crystal Palace will be a great loan with him for him. I do too. I think that's a good fit, and I hope he does well there. So here we go, bottom of the table. 
Southampton, Southampton with 15 points, Everton with 15 points, Bournemouth with 17 points, Wolves with 17 points, West Ham and Leeds and Leicester all on 18. All right. So if I had to give my prediction of what three I think are going to go down, I'm going to take Southampton, Bournemouth, and even though they're in 13th right now, I think Nottingham Forest might fall off a little bit and end up being a team that, that doesn't make it out. They're in a good spot now, and they're six points clear. Well, no, four points clear of 18th, but I just feel like they're the weakest team that's getting the best results early on, and I'm not sure they can sustain it for the uh, second half of the year. When I was at FanFest, I had this guy from this this loudmouth Tottenham fan came up and started talking all this stuff, and his buddy was a West Ham fan, and his <laughs> way, he was trying to talk nonsense to me like, how Arsenal are so bad. He tried to say because <laughs> West Ham fill their stadium more, like they get a more average uh, uh, what attendance. And then we like looked it up, and it turns out they fill their stadium to ninety nine point seven, and we fill it to ninety nine point five. Which so. I don't even know where the point five goes because I'm sure everyone listening that's trying to go to Arsenal games this year, tickets are impossible to come by. Yeah, so, so I'm not so, sure where that point five is at. So for that reason, West Ham need to go down. Um, Wes Ham, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm that this fan, we had a bad interaction. That's how it goes. If you don't want people to wish ill on your team, don't be a douche. Um, <laughs> so West Ham, life in general, it's good advice. Yeah, in, in general, in general. Uh, so West Ham, I want to see go down. Everton, I think, are going to go down. I don't think, I think that, uh, I don't think that Sean Dyche is going to get them to score enough goals. I think they will draw more than they are. And I think that will be their bounce. So, and I don't know if that's going to be enough to get them up. And I think Southampton are, are doomed. I think Southampton are pretty good. So yeah, that'll be my three, but maybe I just want to see big clubs go down. I don't know. I like to see these new clubs stay up. I mean, I like that. I like to mix it up a little bit with company and the way they're playing. I'd love to see Burnley come back up. And just for the story of it, I would love to see Sunderland make their way back up too. Oh yeah, going from being one of the best teams in football to just falling down into absolute football poverty to see them make the climb back up would be would be pretty interesting. And I think they would be a, a fun addition to the Premier League for next season. So I actually, they're they're one on my list that I hope gets it. So with that being said, this uh, this game coming up, what are you? What's your predicted lineup? I think I have it right here, right? Yeah, and I think. We've got both of ours on here, although I believe they're the exact same, so <laughs> not much to uh, to talk about. And kind of like I referenced earlier, it's our best 11, you know, obviously with what we have available. And I'd be surprised if there's any change from this. I think party would be potentially the change, but not due to the choice. I think it would be a fitness issue. If he's not ready to go, Jorginho is going to play in that spot. I think that's pretty clear. And then the only other spot I could think where there's maybe even a conversation would be on the left wing. I think there's some people that would like to see Trossard get some more, just get some more time with the first team to, to just get a little bit more used to everybody around him. So I think he'll play tomorrow, but I don't expect him to start it. It's Martinelli's spot. We just gave him a new five-year deal for a reason. He's earned it this season. So I expect him in there, but that would be the only other spot I could see maybe a conversation that people would think of maybe rotating a little bit, because like you said, he's got a lot of minutes this year and we still have a long way to go. You know, I was on the Trussard train. I was thinking, like, initially, before I sent you um, what who I wanted, I was thinking that I wanted Trussard, but then I saw the Martinelli interview, and he literally said in the interview, we're not here for fun. 
we're here to win titles. And I'm I mean, like, Ooh, he, he goes full Conor McGregor. We're not here to take part. We're here to take over. And it's hard to not love the guy for it. So, yeah, he's coming in with that fire. I think this is going to be the opposite of the Obama-Yang or Ozil situation where mm-hmm. I think we give him this and he won. He just sounds like a kid that's so grateful for everything that's given to him. And he wants he wants to prove to everyone that he earned this. You know what I mean? He's got that real just hardworking attitude. You know, very similar to Sokka in a way. There's very humble guys that just seem to just want to show off what, everything that they can do. That's what I was just going to say when it's rare that you have one guy that age with that talent level that has that level of humility, let alone two of them, you know, on on either flank. When you look at the other players of their age that are, you know, highly sought after, highly touted. When you look at Phil Foden, Anthony Mudrick, these are not the most humble of characters in the football world from what we've seen, which is fine. You're one of the best in the world at something. You have a right to have some level of confidence and cockiness, but to have two of the most humble potential superstars you're ever going to see is just another reason to enjoy what we have right now. And as much as we talk about the years to come and how we're building for something big and a sustained, uh, you know, level of success, we should still enjoy the moment of how good we're playing right now and enjoy the players we have. Cause we talked about this yesterday while we're probably the best team playing in England right now. I think we may be the most likable team as well, not just in England, but maybe in all of world football. When you look at, the players we have that play a pivotal role. It's a pretty likable bunch. We're pretty fortunate to have them. Yeah. Like there's, and, and again, no disrespect. I mean, this in the cutest way possible. There's a very mascot ability of, of <laughs> Saka and Martinelli. They seem like two just poster childs. And then again, um, Odegaard, perfect hair, perfect teeth. He looks like a Ken, at you. He you looks like a Ken doll. A he yeah. really does. He's a Ken doll of a human being. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we we've got Rob holding in his new American accent, charming charming the pants all of all, off of all of us. I mean, it really is a very likable team, and even even the guys you you love to hate are still very lovable. Like Jaka, I, I I don't think that there's a lot of hate for Jaka out there. I when I talk to other teams, I I expect him to be the person that they're like, he's the one guy I hate on your team, and I don't hear anything about him. Everybody hates Ramsdale though. And I love it. I love it. <laughs> Ramsdale great. is the best. Th- Ramsdale is the best thing to happen to us since um, Chesney. I said it and I'll say it again. <laughs> I mean, he's as enjoyable a character to watch in goal as I can remember. And the way he gives it to away fans constantly, it's, it's hard for, I see why other teams can't stand him, but as an Arsenal fan, you've got to love it because he gives it to them as much as anybody possibly could mid game. Doesn't matter. He's giving it to the fans and it's, it's really enjoyable to watch. All right, guys, we're going to, we're going to take the last couple of minutes here. We're going to take in some questions. So please, if you guys have any questions, uh, put them up now. We'll go ahead and get them answered uh, before we before we sign off here. Uh, while we're waiting for uh, the questions to come in, what's your prediction for tomorrow, Jared? So we, we both kind of alluded to it earlier. I expect it to be a pretty dominant performance, and I don't expect us to concede. I think this season we're giving up 0.8 goals per game, and I think Everton's only averaging scoring 0.8 per game. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's a good matchup when you look at it on paper. So I expect a clean sheet. Um, I'm going to say three nil, but depending on how the first half goes, I think it's very possible. We go out there and put a four nil up and really put on a dominant performance. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say five nil. Let's go. 
Aaron Ramsey hat trick. I mean, I mean, <laughs> just a five. Uh, but you guys, you remember that Aaron Ramsey hat trick at Everton it, when we five nil? I think that was Aubameyang's first game. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a five nil. I back uh, Saka and Martinelli both to score. I bag I back Saka to score. I mean, not Saka, Martinelli to score two. That's my wow. big thing. I think he's going to score two goals tomorrow. I'd love to see it. And regardless, even if we put up five, regardless of who scores them, I think man of the match is still going to go to Martin Odegaard because he's the, he's the engine that, that gets everybody else going. And anytime those guys have good games, it's because the guy behind them's making Best it happen for him. Best player in the league this season right now. I'll say yes. And I think the only, the only name you could put in with him is Holland just because of the absurd goal scoring record. But for me and the fact that he elevates everyone around him much more so than Holland does, and we're at top of the league. Give me Martin Odegaard for Premier League player of the season if it ended right now. You know, the thing about Holland is, and I'm going to say this kind of like straightforward, we're giving Chelsea a lot of stick for spending so much goddamn money and they're not going to be able to do anything with it. If City go and get Erling Holland, who got 25 goals in half a season and failed to win the league or Champions League, I'm sorry. I'm going to call it for what it is. That's a bottle job. That's a bottle job. I, I don't know how you add Erling Holland to your team and then lose and not win everything. That's that's crazy to me. So um, we got some questions coming in, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a handful in there. I start them. If you want to dive in, we can just run through them real quick before we hit the top of the hour. Yeah, go ahead. Pick one. All right. We'll, we'll just go top down. Our boy, our good buddy, Dan. What's up? Uh, he says, would you rather Arsenal win tomorrow, but Rashford blanks in both games this week or Arsenal lose, but Rashford scores two hat tricks. So he sent this to me because Dan and I are in the same uh, Premier League fantasy league and he may have already looked. I did triple captain Rashford this week, but FPL is not real life. <laughs> Arsenal is real life. So I don't care the result. Give me the Arsenal win and you can hate on me and talk about how terrible my team is if Rashford blanks, but I'll take the three points for Arsenal all day long. Who are they playing this week? Well, United and Fantasy has a double game week. They play uh Leeds and West Ham, I believe, but both games are at Old Trafford, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, that's that a couple going. good matchups for them. I would love I would love for them to drop points against one of those, but they're going to win both i would guess they're going to win both of them so i'll send this next one over to you joshua says if we had to sell one of esr or kieran tierney this summer who would you choose um i think unfortunately this is going to be really straightforward i think it's kt and it's not because of him being bad or him not fitting a stylistically it's actually just a straight money choice i think you get far more money for kieran tierney than you get it for esr i think esr stays a year plays six months and about triples his value and i think that so i couldn't justify selling him at what I think will be the lowest point of his value in his entire career. We could have sold him six months ago and we could mm-hmm. sell him a year from now and get far more. So I think it's got to be KT. I think, unfortunately, the, the reality is he wants to go. Um, I don't know. Would, would you now, it's if they, somebody offered, say, $65 million for KT, but it's Newcastle, you take it. Oh, $65 million, absolutely. I think that's more than what giving it to a giving it to a rival. Uh, are they a rival yet? 
Us, I, maybe. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe. They, I mean, you're <laughs> you're talking about the only team, the only other team. I think they've got one loss this year, two losses. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, they they score a ton of draws because they're so solid yeah. defensively. But to me, they're already the best defense in the league, arguably. So giving them a defender, it, it's not gonna not gonna kill us if it's a number like that. It was 65 million, no question. I send him anywhere who will pay it. I don't care if it's I don't care if it's Spurs. If they give us 65 million, he's yours because I think that's well over what he would bring. Realistically, I think he's going to bring us 40, maybe north of 40, which would be big. But especially in regards to Joshua's question, I think just more than anything, KT's the guy who's much more likely to get moved this summer. So, you know, it, it is what it is. I'm a huge fan of his, and I hate to see him go, but. The guy wants to play football. Arsenal are going to want some incoming funds. I think it just makes sense that that's a, a likely one to go through. Follow up. Summer uh, in the summer, keep Balogun, sell Balogun for forty million, or loan Balogun in the Prem for a season. Um, if we're talking about what I think's most likely, I think we're going to sell Balogun, but I think it'll be a figure well north of forty, given the fact that I mean, right now this season, just so far. In, in France, he scored more goals than Hila Mudrik scored in his entire career at Shakhtar. So I, I would put a stupid price tag on him and, and hope to start a bidding war. I think realistically, if he goes on to win the golden boot, which he's in the running for, he's currently the leader. I, I think you're going to get 50 million or more for him because there's going to be teams that need a striker. And if you've got a guy who's, uh, you know, a French golden boot winner, it's hard to not pay 50 million for him, I think. So here's an interesting question because this is the thing, though, is has Premier League become a Super League that has its own market where maybe if a Premier League club wants him for north of 40 million, we could get that. But can we get other teams? Like, could we get a Barcelona? Could we get a Real Madrid, Juventus, Napoli? Uh, could Bayern, could we get these teams to pay that sort of value? Because we haven't seen those numbers anywhere else but inside of the Premier League. But bar, like, again, a Neymar transfer right. to to PSG. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and those are obviously an outlier. When you take one of the top three or four players in the world, that's sort of, you look at that differently than you do the general market. Mm-hmm. I, I think it would be limited. Selling them in the Premier League, we're much more likely to demand a higher fee but I think there are a couple spots. I think a PSG could potentially be interested in him. And I think the one that you mentioned in your list there was Napoli. I think if they move on Osaman and get a hundred million for him from somebody like Manchester United, who's in desperate need of a striker, I think we then know they have the funds and we've got a suitable replacement. I think that's the, the target outside of the premier league that I would be going to and saying, you know, put a $75 million price tag on them. They're obviously going to come in lower than that, but maybe, uh, get a good bit for him and given that he's come through the and hasn't cost us anything to bring him onto the team that's a huge boon when you can bring in north of 50 million for a guy who didn't cost you anything so I, I like Balogun and if we integrate him into the squad next year as the third choice striker I won't be unhappy but if I had to put my money on it right now I think the most likely situation is that we see him up for sale this summer yeah I definitely agree I'm going to take this and we're going to flip it a little. He goes, do you think that Arsenal and other clubs will go after more Chelsea players as there may be a fire sale in the summer? And I'm just going to change that into who would you take from Chelsea if you have the chance? Man, I'd have to look up their list. I mean, they've got, I think they have about 35 first team players right now. And I don't say that exaggerated. I think it's 
in that area. It's mid thirties. They've got such a huge list. It's tough to figure who's a good player versus who's a good player for our system. Mm-hmm. One guy who I think is underappreciated by their fans is Kai Havertz because he's he's their leading goal scorer with, I think, five this league or five this year in league. So not a huge number, but he's a tremendously talented footballer that I think plays a little bit out of position there. They play him basically as a number nine. I'm not sure that's his best spot. So in terms of a talented footballer, I think he is one and I would take him. In, in terms of who they're going to sell, it's going to be a big list because they've just got far too many players. And the problem they're going to run into is they paid pretty good fees for a lot of these guys. They're all on very high wages and it's going to be tough to offload them. So they may have a rough summer if they miss Champions League, which right now, you know, they've got a lot of work to do if they want to get there. If they miss Champions League and are having to try and sell all these guys on huge wages, they might have a little bit of a rough summer in terms of finance. So yeah, Havertz is the guy that sticks out, but I'm not really big on paying them a lot of money for any of their players, I don't think. I wouldn't pay a lot of money. This is just saying like players, maybe I admire out of their club. I don't, I don't, you know how I feel about doing deals with Chelsea. I say, mm-hmm. let them yeah. rot and let them suffer in their own <laughs> mess. Do you know what I mean? But, mm-hmm. and that's the thing is they are a mess. I mean, that's a, they're a stinky club, man. Like they smell, it's disgusting. Like I, like I'm all the way in, in America and I can smell Chelsea from here. Like they they have so many just stinky players, and I don't mean just like yeah, a, a lot of those players have talent, but they just have stinky attitudes, man. Like all of them, and I just don't know if I want that energy anywhere near Arsenal. Now, on talent wise, Reese James, Reese, yeah, I was just gonna say he's he's the one. Yeah, yeah, you got to. I wouldn't touch Connor Gallagher with a ten foot pole. I'm sorry, um, Conte is past it for me. Mudrick, you made your bed. Um, I'm maybe Ziyech, maybe Ziyech. I, I, I might have a go at that. Um, yeah, uh, Tiago Silva's too on the other end of it. He's probably the other player that I would look at. But I mean, I don't yeah, Chris- really see a lot that I truly that interested in. I, I Chelsea's just kind of a place where you your career goes to die. Yeah, I mean Enzo Fernandez is a talent, but obviously he's not going to of all the players they would oh, sell, yeah. he would not he's not going anywhere with what they paid for him and being so recent, but in terms of talent, he's he's a solid player that would fit in with most teams pretty well. He'll be in Madrid in a year. Possible. Um, <laughs> all right, so uh other question here. What will be the gap between Arsenal and City by the time they play their game in February? So what is that? We have do we have just Everton between now and City? I was going to say, I need to look at the schedule to be sure. Or no, we play Everton, then we have Brentford. Yeah, we play Brentford Saturday, City Wednesday. So quick turnaround from Brentford. And I got to look at what who does City play? Do you think City are going to uh, win their game this week against, do you think Tottenham got them? Do you think we can rely on Spurs to actually do something? <laughs> or are they going to It's hard to game? say Spurs and rely in any real sense. They're the least reliable <laughs> bunch you'll ever come across. But they've oddly, the last two, three, four seasons, somehow, even when they're mediocre as they are, they seem to be the team that, along with Southampton, that takes points off of City inexplicably at times during the year. So it, it's not impossible that they do it. They, uh, they'll be in a terrible run of form, and then somehow just their style suits a game against City. Now, are they the yeah. favorites to do so? No, but if they can pull out a draw, I'd, <laughs> I'd be ecstatic because we could – 
anytime City drops points is is massive for Arsenal. So I'll take it if it comes. Think about Tottenham is like, are they clever? Because like it's really straightforward. I don't get why other teams. Maybe it's because they have the the talent higher than most mid table teams to be able to do this. But they're just going to let you pass the ball and play you on the counter. Mm-hmm. How you haven't figured this out, like, and thought about how you can counteract that. I, I don't get it. You know, Pep Guardiola, greatest manager of all time, apparently, but he can't figure out how to beat a Tottenham. Um, that you know they haven't even scored a goal in their stadium. It's crazy, right? Crazy. <laughs> they missed two penalties in their stadium. It, it doesn't make any sense. But so hey, you know, I don't want to say as soon as you start relying on Spurs, they'll let you mm-hmm. down. Ask any of their fans. So, but I, I would love to see it. You know who else could take points off of them though? is they've got to go to Aston Villa, and no team has gained more points besides Arsenal than mm-hmm. Unai Emery's Aston Villa since he was appointed. They've been fantastic. They, they really have, and that's a kind of a dark horse to maybe take some points off. But the reality is, between now and the end of the season, City and Arsenal are dropping points somewhere, and it's not right. always where you predict it's going to be. We see that every season. When, when City won the league a couple of years ago, and I, I believe it was the year they had 100 points, uh, I think they lost to Norwich that year. When, when Liverpool was on their huge unbeaten run, Watford banged them like 3-0, and it was the year that Watford and Norwich City both got relegated when they got those wins. So the Premier League's always got a couple surprises along the way, and, and I'm sure this year's going to be no different. So th- there'll definitely be some points dropped. I don't really between, care who it's against. If they drop any, I'll take it. Between now and now and that week, uh, I honestly think I, I'm just going to play safe and say that we keep it at five, you know, yeah. Ho- hopefully, like I do think we'll keep it at five. It could get a little bigger. I do see those as possibly two bogey games for, for city. But then as soon as I say that we'll go and lose to Everton, you know what I mean? So it's just like, you know, <laughs> you can't really pr- predict anything to, to that level, and I don't want to start sounding arrogant or anything to, towards them saying that we're going to get some sort of big gap. Here's a good question, like follow up to that, though. If our lead is bigger, does that put more or less pressure on the Arsenal for that game? I, I think it, it does put less because we know we've got a little bit of a safety net there. The, the tough one for me is, you know, I think we'll beat Everton. Then we have Brentford at home. At home, I'm very confident we'll handle Brentford. But then it's City on Saturday and followed by the team you just brought up, Aston Villa on Wednesday, a really short turnaround to play a really tough game. So I think between those two is maybe where you're going to see Arsenal potentially drop points at at some point there because that's a really tough two games to have in four days. Like you said, Villa's playing as well as anybody. So coming off of a game against City, short rest against them could be a difficult one. But if if we win those two games leading into the City game, we know we're going to have at least a five-point lead. So it's as good a spot as you could hope for. Facts. Facts. It isn't arrogance. It's just accurate self-assessment. It 100% is. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. This season, Arsenal's been, there's a reason we're top. We've been the best and we're deserving of it. And we've looked better than City for the most part. That doesn't guarantee you anything. But up to this point, it's just the reality of the situation is we've been best and, and a clear best, I think. All right. Well, it's been an hour. I think we've we've kind of covered the topic. You want to call it a uh, wrap it up here? Yeah, let, let's wrap it up. Should give a shout out to everybody who's uh, joined today. We've had a pretty good group. Uh, Olivier, Dan, Matt, Josh, 
on down the line. We've had a bunch of people on earlier. So shout out to everybody. I am that makes the show go along Dublin. I know I saw him in the chat earlier commenting. So thank you to everybody for tuning in. Like I said earlier, bottom of the screen, you can see the, uh, the banner going, there is going to be an upcoming show for, uh, a breakdown of Chelsea finances, which should be interesting. And we'll have a lot of more shows along the way. Yeah. And if you really like what we do again, please drop us a like Arsenal fans around the world come together strong in voice. We will be playing again on this Saturday. I am. I almost played the Ben White um, three points. Thank you very much video, but I don't want to, I don't want to jinx it quite yet, but hopefully we'll be getting to play that video coming up on Monday when we have another show. So until next time, this has been the TGP podcast, TGP outs. Watching the Gooners Podcast, a production of TGP Media, wholly on subsidiary of Ranker Broadcasting Company Limited PLC. All rights and likenesses, except for Owens, are available for purchase and distribution according to the historical tenets of Bird Law. Make sure to check out the Gooners Podcast Patreon at patreon.com forward slash TGP. Find Gooners V Cancer at GoonersVCancer.com. And don't forget, get them credit cards out. The Gooners Podcast has been brought to you thanks to a generous investment from Elon Musk, as well as the letter G and the number 69. Remember, Gooner family, that taught them get better everywhere they go. TGP out.